Living Holistically Well with Dr. Annette West. Again, we will have a myriad of topics, interviews, and engaging words of thought to share with you this season. The purpose of this show is to help us build up our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. And I just want to give a shout out to Creative Common for allowing the show the use of their jazz instrumental, Smooth Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. Greetings, everyone. Dr. Annette West here. It's another beautiful day in our world and and in this podcast. And we're in a new season. And I'm welcoming back a young man that was one of our interviewees in the first season. He actually ended our first season, episode 25. I spoke with Michael LeBourne and, or Michael Allen LeBourne. And he shared with us at that time on his recent book published, The Master Narrative. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that or you did and it's been a while, please go back and listen to it again. It is it is my traveling buddy. I keep that particular book in one vehicle and then I have a different book in the other vehicle. So I always have something to write. Michael, welcome. Hey, how are you? Great. Good to have you on the show again. Thank you so much for having me. So, Michael, we're talking about a totally different book this time around. It's your book called More Than a Number. Tell tell us what drew you to share this particular book in this season. You know, um, it's been a pretty interesting couple of years uh, for me and my family. God really, a couple of years ago, began to really speak to me uh, about the need for real freedom. And, and if you know me, I've always believed in freedom. I've always believed in, in intimacy with God and, and in community uh, and to really centering faith around community. Um, but as God began to really challenge me to, to really pursue those thoughts a little deeper, I started to realize how many of the things that I believed were central to my relationship with God that, you know, just weren't. They were just things that, uh, that that I had built up in order to structure things that operated just fine in freedom, just by knowing God. So that's where, the, where this book came from. God just began to challenge me to look at the way I saw him, the way I saw the church, the way I saw myself. Um, and as I did that, um, I just really felt this burden to bring the body of Jesus with me on that journey to just chase something that's real. 
I like that. And uh, I like that um, at the early part of this particular book, you were you made a profound statement where you talked about the understanding the difference between the concept of God's presence and the manifestation of God's person. What were you, what, what, I mean, that, that's a powerful statement. So what should we gain from that statement to look at things a little maybe different? You know, I, I regularly think back to this, this one particular moment uh, in my life. I think it was about five or six years ago. And I was, I was singing our worship team at our church and, you know, God was moving. And it was just an incredible moment. And God just began to impress on me just this, this need to, to hunger to actually know him as opposed to chasing him. There's a place where we find God. And I remember I said to the congregation at the time, like, you know, so many of you come up to me after worship and you and you ask me, how do we get deep? How do we chase Jesus the way you're chasing him? And it just, it dawned on me in that moment that this life, this faith, this this reality of walking with God, it, it's not a journey of chasing God. It's the actual finding of God and then a life of knowing him. And I think that right there is the difference that, a lot of us are not really taught to expect. We're taught that we're going to spend our whole life chasing after the person of God, but never quite grasping him. And the reality of, of the Christian life is that I have found God, and now I get to spend forever loving him. Mm, that that sounds wonderful. <laughs> that that sound that sounds good. So, does your book kind of share? with us how we got to this point of not um, of not really being in relationship or really experiencing the Lord that like we should how, how did we get to this point you know I think there's a lot of answers to that question um I I think the main the main thread that would be true in every area because there's so many traditions and structures that we've built up that are beautiful and so many structures and traditions that we've built up that are just they're not and I think that we got to all of them in the same way. We looked at what we were experiencing and we said, you know, God has called me to this result, whether it be purity or, you know, power or good theology, whatever it is that we found that God has called us to. And we've said the process that we've used to get there is dangerous. Um, for instance, when it comes to everybody being able to pour into the assembly, that's dangerous because if everybody can share, that means there's more opportunity for bad theology to get out and for people to hear things that aren't true. And sometimes we looked at the result where God is calling us to understand him, and we said we can get there safer than the way that we're getting there now. And so we built up a structure to protect ourselves when in reality, the beauty of our faith is that our God is real, our God is alive, and our God is present. So I don't have to build up a structure to protect myself from the process because I'm walking through it with him. So freedom, though dangerous, is beautiful. Amen. I, I can recall um, being connected with a pastor at a time who passes a very large Baptist church. And he's, okay. he he purchased a church where the people had moved out. So he purchased this other church and he, he said he was going to do something different at this church. Um, <laughs> and he decided that he was going to create a environment where if you said God gifted you and you wanted to come in and use your gifts, then you could come in and do that. Right. Okay. 
And it sounded wonderful, right? But not too long after saying those words, those words were kind of taken back. <laughs> when you start seeing that, okay, you have one person has been taught this and they're coming in and they want to bring from that perspective. And you have another that wants to bring from another perspective. So how do we find the, the true balance of the Lord in the midst of what we're doing? I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind with that, because absolutely, that's I've experienced that myself, where there's, you know, you teach people freedom, 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 whatever God says to you, please share it, and then <laughs> someone says something they think God said to them, and you're like, ooh, I don't think you said that. So, I mean, that just happened, and, <laughs> and people, they, they'll teach something, and you're just like, you didn't look at that passage hard enough. So that's, I, I, don't, I don't even want to say that's the exception. I think that's okay. a pretty regular experience. Okay. Because people are growing and they're going to be wrong and they're going to and they're going to pursue things for their mindsets that are just worldly and, and not quite quite there. Um, but I think that it's important to understand that in the midst of that, if we teach people a few things, one, you're free. So please, if God speaks to you, share it. Please, if you see something in the Word that you think we need to know, share it. But we also teach them that we're in this together and it's not about you. Then there's a humility present where if, if I share something that I feel the Lord has put on my heart and I'm not right, the rest of the church can say to me, hey, Michael, I, I don't think you caught that right. Or if I mm -hmm. teach something and I'm wrong, the rest of the church can say, hey, Michael, that's not what I'm seeing in that scripture. and We can talk. So I think if we try to bring freedom into a structure where everything is about authority and power, that's not going to work mm -hmm. because not everybody has the right to address things. But if we bring it into an environment where it's about intimacy and relationship and there's no, there's no fight for control, no fight for power, but everybody is just pouring into their family. Then if I'm wrong, you can just tell me and we can laugh about it and I can learn. Or if you tell me I'm wrong and I don't agree, we can, we can hash it out and buy about it and figure it out. If there's humility and freedom, then life can happen. Without that humility, though, freedom is dangerous. Amen. Amen. Yes, humility is, is ever so important for all of us because we can easily get drawn in and feel like it's about us and... Oh, yeah. And then getting okay. back. And I think um, as I was looking through your book, you actually talked about that experience for yourself. Okay. I think you were talking about when um, all that you've been doing through the years to uh, lift oh. up the Lord and everything. And then it's like, boom, it's like this, this, this it just kind of hit you like, but you haven't been doing it all for the right purpose. I, th oh, yeah, I think I that's that what I got. Yeah. So many times in my life. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy to me, too, because everywhere I go, I, I'm a pretty happy person and I love people genuinely. Um, so everywhere I go, I, I hear that, you know, you know, you're so humble. You love the Lord. The fear of the Lord is on you. Everybody tells me that. But then in my heart, there's been so many times where God has stopped me in my tracks and just been like, Michael, this is my story. Back up, bro. You know what I mean? Like, there's just been so many times where I've realized I'm I'm seeking fame, or I'm seeking I'm seeking opportunity, or I'm chasing after a platform, or I haven't even been thinking about what Jesus was. I just want to get to that that place where they're going to let me preach in front of bigger crowds. Like, there's just this hunger that has risen up so many times. But I think, to be honest, and I think I shared this in the book actually, that once I grasped this, that you know, freedom. 
And it's once again, humility, which is centered in relationship. If everything is about, I love you and you love me and we're in this together. And I don't need the Lord over you because you're looking out for me as much as I'm looking out for you. If it's about that, then I don't have to hunger for any kind of platform because the goal is achieved just in loving you and being loved by you. Mm, That's good. That's good. One of the things you said, you said um, our faith is just a small aspect of who we are. And so if our faith is just a small aspect, then what's the bigger picture? I think what I was talking about in that in that particular portion, I was talking about the mindset of the church mm. that says, you know, my relationship with God is a, is a part of who I am. And for most of us, I think it's a huge part of who we are, but it's not all that we are. We right. think to ourselves, you know, I'm a, I chase Jesus and I love Jesus, but I'm also a person and I have desires and I have wants and I have goals and I have talents. And so we kind of put our faith into this, into its proper place where we say, you know, if this is relevant to my relationship with Jesus, I'll pay attention to it. But if it's relevant to my work life, then I don't need to pay attention to Jesus right now. I'm doing that. So I was more adjusting the way we approach our faith. I okay. wasn't necessarily saying that that's the, the correct way to look at it. Okay, I got you. I, I like when you talked about that the early church took took Jesus at his word. The early church. So if we're supposed to emulate the example, how do we get to that place that we are fully surrendering everything to the Lord? I think I think you said it right there in that first sentence, we take God at his word. I think sometimes we get so discouraged, um, and I and I can't speak for everybody, but this was my experience. When I really, when God started to challenge me that I had built things up around what he made and, and turned it into something more, um, I, I, I jumped back to the example of the early church. I was like, I want to do what they did. And I, and I started emulating everything that they did. And, and I found myself so discouraged because I wasn't seeing things happen the same way they were doing. And God just really had to challenge me that it's it's not about doing what they did and copying their behavior. It's about taking me at my word the way that they did. So if I say do this and I'll respond, just do it and expect me to. If I tell you to behave in this way, just behave in that way. If my spirit speaks to you and says to go tell this person that, just do it. Not because when they did it, I moved, but because you know me and you know that what I say to you is true. So I think it just boils down to this reality of, you know, he said that my sheep will know my voice. And when he said that, he was he was referencing a shepherd and sheep that don't speak the same language. You know what I mean? The sheep didn't understand what the shepherd was saying, but they knew when I hear this voice right? and I follow this voice, I'm led somewhere good. I'm led somewhere beautiful. And I think it comes down to that, that, that my history with God becomes evidence to me that when I hear the voice, if I follow it, I'll find something beautiful. Mm. That's po- That's powerful. That that's real powerful. Now, do you think? Okay, I, I, as I was reading, not you, not do you think? Because you've done a lot of thinking to put this book together. So, <laughs> um, you talk about the assembly and what the assembly uh, was never meant to be. So, if it was never meant to be a training ground for how to better live your life, your own life, basically then what should the training ground be? And what the, what should the training ground look like? And who should be the trainers of the ground? 
know, I think that, that that boils down to everybody. Like, I think mm. about it. I think about it like this: if the church is made up of individual people, when I, if I, if every, let's say like this, everybody is commissioned to bring people into the kingdom of God. I think we would all agree on that in, in in the church. We would all agree that everybody is called to bring people into the business of Jesus. But what we've been taught is that the pastor, or not just the pastor, because I, I don't. I don't. I, one thing I want to avoid doing is I don't want to put all the weight on the pastors. I don't want to say that America's pastors have tricked us or manipulated us or you know enslaved us. I don't believe that at all. I think that a system is broken and that we all contributed to that system being broken. So I just want to clarify that for anyone who's hearing that. But I think what we've done is um, we've built ourselves into this corner where we've said, the pastor and the leaders are responsible for the house of God. So I'm going to bring people into the house of God and put them into their care. When the reality is the body of Jesus exists to be a group of like-minded people who are uniting into one body so that they can walk into the world with the power of God. The church doesn't exist for you to learn how to be the church, but the assembly exists for you to be the church together. So I think to answer your question, I think it boils down to discipleship. I think it boils down to returning the responsibility of being Christians to Christians. Mm. That if you are in the kingdom of God, it is your job to bring people into the good news of Jesus and then to raise them and then to bring them into the assembly and to plant them into the assembly so that they can contribute to the body of Jesus. So so bringing people to church, it's not about, hey, come to church so you can learn how to be, how to be cool, how to love Jesus. It's talking about how about we love Jesus together, and then I'm going to bring you to a place where we can do something about what we've learned. That's good. That's good. I like that. We're going to stop for one second. We're going to take a quick break. All right. So still still here talking with um, Michael Allen LeBarn on his book, More Than a Number. And, and I saw... Um, I think it was in the early part of the book, but you used the word, um, I think it was do and be. People are trained to do something, but we need to learn how to be. Does that, does that hit you? You know, it's, um, so much about freedom and, community and, and life are so confusing because it's exactly what you just said. We're trained to do because doing resembles being. It looks like we, we do things so that we look like we are something, <laughs> but in the, in that process, we're not, it's never explained to us that we have to actually be that thing. Mm. So we're taught, you know, pour your life into your ministry, pour your life into the, the gifts that God has given you. And it's, it's crazy, and I like to say, you know, in one blink of an eye, because that's what it's like, this is a blink, but in that one blink, everything that I know now, everything that I'm doing now to, to pour into the church, to pour into the world, it's all going to become unnecessary. It's, in one blink, I'll never have to heal another sick person. In one blink, I'll never have to cast out a devil. In one blink, you're going to be walking with Jesus. You're not going to need me to tell you who he is. So in, in literally one blink, everything that we're being taught to base our identity in, is going to vanish, and, and I don't know about you, but that that kind of terrifies me. That thought that that I've spent a lifetime pouring my energy and time into focusing on something that's not forever, and so I think that's the major difference there. When I say do, don't 
And when I say be in the, instead of doing, what I'm saying is, you know, absolutely preach the gospel. Absolutely heal the sick and cast out the devil. Absolutely do the things that are necessary to make the church into everything it can be. But who you are has to be lost in the person of Jesus. And I, and I say the word lost because I think sometimes we, we say we're in Christ, but we, we, we see it on the edge and see, I'm in Christ, but I'm this, but I'm also that, but I'm also mine. But there has to come this moment where I am so invested in who Jesus is, not just what I do, not just earning my place, not just earning my reputation or earning my position or, or, or getting myself qualified for the thing I want, but I am so lost in the person of Jesus that I no longer believe that I could get out if I wanted to. That's, that's what surrender mm, means. We yeah. like to dip our toes in the water of, of, of the kingdom and have our emotional experiences and our worship nights, and we call that death. No, death is when we go so far into the person of Jesus that he is in control. Mm. That's good. That's that's really good. It reminds me, I was thinking as you were talking um, about Peter, Peter being, um, no, John, being the forerunner for Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the scripture, but there's a scripture where he says, it's like I was out here and I was doing all of this, but now Jesus is Jesus is here, and now I must decrease so that He must increase. And oh, it, John, yeah, absolutely. And I it, think it's, that's, uh, go ahead. We miss that. We miss that so so often. And I think uh, part of it is just our culture, just the way we we are. We're just everything is focused on becoming better and better and better and better, but. I, I'm with you completely. Death happens when I become nothing. Not because I am nothing. I'm worth right. something. I That's mean, right. God gave his son to die for me. I have incredible value. But I find that value in losing myself into the thing that is greater, which mm. is Christ. And I think we need to be like Paul, as you talked about in your book, where we need to, now that we have come into the knowledge of who Christ is, and now that we have rendered ourselves to the Lord, now we should have a life of the discipling that you talk about, preaching the gospel. Absolutely. And it must become who we are. It's not something, you know, that people pick up on Sunday or pick up on Wednesday, but it is a lifestyle that we flow in. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the reasons that I that I say so often that community is central to everything. It feels it feels like like such heresy to some people when I say that. They're like, oh Jesus is the center. But yeah, that's what I'm, that's really what I'm saying here. When I say community is the center, what I'm saying is if everything I do, everything I say, everything that I am is centered around loving God and loving people, then everything I do and say will directly surrender itself to God because that's what he's focused on. It's really what he's focused on. He literally laid his life down just to develop community with us, just to bring us into the fold of, of the Godhead, to know him, to love him, to walk with him, to be one with him. So I think that if we really embrace this concept of community, uh, of loving people more than structures and positions, not to say structures and positions don't have their place, but if our focus is on community and, and love, 
then what ends up happening is we accidentally, not even on purpose, we accidentally bring ourselves into that realm of surrender where God does things that we could not even begin to fathom or imagine. Because I can't work my way into them. I just, I don't know about you. I don't know how to part waters. I don't know how to heal. I heal sick bones or bring dead people to life. But I know how to love. And God <laughs> works in love. Amen. And and I like how, um, I want to read a passage um, from one place in your book, okay? And this is what you wrote. You said, and yeah, really good. You said, like the early Jewish believers, we often confuse the practical expressions of our faith with the foundations of our faith. And we measure Christianity by those practical expressions and traditions. If someone does not adhere to them, we judge them as lesser Christians when in reality, the majority of our traditions are not only unnecessary, but borderline unhealthy. Uh, speak to that. That is a bold and powerful statement. <laughs> it, it, but it is, it is, but it's, it's meat. It's meat for the soul if we pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what, I, what I'm really getting at is, and, and I feel like a lot of people, when I talk about this, they're hearing me say, burn your church to the ground. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, if my heart is centered in what I do to make what God has said true, then I didn't believe what God said to begin with. Mm. If my life is building the thing that God told me he was going to do, I didn't believe he was going to do it. I think way too often... We structure our faith and we structure our relationships and we structure our churches around forcing God's promises to be fulfilled. We say, you know, God's going to bring us into one mind. So instead of trusting that the Spirit of God was going to speak to us and draw us into one way of thinking, we say, everybody but me, be quiet. I'm going to tell you how to think. Instead of believing that when God said he was going to speak to the prophets before he did anything, we say, everybody be quiet. I'm going to give you a vision, and that's what God has said. So I, I, once again, it goes back to being afraid of the process, being afraid of, of trusting that God will do what he said. We have built things in order to make sure that what God said would happen naturally happens. And it, it all boils down to this one reality. We don't believe him. And that is, although the structures are good, Although the structures bear fruit, although the structures change many lives, if we can look at them and say, this exists because I did not believe God, that's a problem. Mm. So we really have to look at ourselves and we really need to, I think you said it before, look at our heart, look at our own heart and say... Am I where the Lord would have me to be? Am I on the path that the Lord would have me to be? Or am I on a path to appease other people, to appease other groupings? I think that is very important. Well, I agree with you completely. And I'm not, I'm not even for a second saying, you know, if, if, if you go to a church that, that's doing things that are structured, that you're in sin. I'm not saying that at all. Right, I've right. Been a part of a church for years, and I loved it. And I, and I, I'm not, I'm not even going to say I wasn't in God's will. But in this moment, God is doing something that we have to pay attention to. He's just calling His church to something that is raw and authentic and organic, 
And, and that doesn't mean everybody has to meet in a living room. It doesn't mean that everybody has to close their church doors. It just means that we need to take an honest look at what we are, what we are doing, and to ask ourselves, is the way I chase Jesus centered in my love for Jesus and my love for people, or is it centered in me deciding I'm going to make things happen? And I think that's a great question that, I mean, that everybody should really ask themselves and have that conversation with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I like where you said, you know, like, even though we have gifts, God has given us gifts, gifts to um, edify and build up the body. But he doesn't, he's not giving us those gifts to stand out above other people. I think I saw that somewhere um, in what I was reading, but he really wants us to stand with the people and and help the people, not to put ourselves above people, to make ourselves seem, I, I guess I would say more than. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And once again, I think a lot of times we don't, we don't even do that maliciously. We do it with great intentions. We say, you know, I love you and I'm going to pour into you because I want you to be everything that you can be. I believe that with all of my heart. I have been serving with incredible men and women of God for my entire adult life. And I believe with absolute certainty that their heart is pure and desperate for God. But regardless of my intentions, regardless of how I feel, if what I'm doing is stopping you from being the person that God made you to be so that I can protect you, then I'm not serving you well. And I think that as leadership, our heart has to be to bring people up into their position in the body and to let them go to do the thing that God made them to do. It can't be to do it for them. It can't be, hey, bring your friends to church so I can preach the gospel for them. It can't be, come to church so that I can teach you what the Bible says. It has to be, I'm going to help you to become someone who knows God so intimately that we can do this together from now on. I like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a girl sold out for Jesus. So, um, your the first book spoke to me well. Um, and I'm assuming there'll be a volume two coming out since you did a volume one on the master narrative. (laughs) Yep. Just picked up the new Testament volume this week and started on it. Okay. Okay. So I'll be looking forward to that, to put it on my shelf. Um, we have about five, we have about five more minutes. Um, I think what I, um, I really gain from what I have looked at in your book overall thus far is that each person in the body must see themselves as a contributing part of the body. And that we have Absolutely. to, and that we have to seek the Lord for the wisdom that we need that will keep help us to stay humble in this process. Yeah, without either one of those parts, it, it all falls apart. In, in short, my call for the body of Jesus is it's really simple: be real, be authentic, chase Jesus with everything that you are, and understand that the church. The responsibility of being the church falls on every single one of us. And if any part of us pulls out of that responsibility, the job doesn't get done. Like you, we, we've come into this season where we have put all of the weight on the heart and the lungs and the brain. And we said, you know, 
you guys are the main organ. You've got the, the, the on center, the stage gift. You do the work. And because of that, the majority of the body is just sitting back and chilling and nothing's getting done. It's time for the entire body to remember if every part does not play its role, the body of Jesus for an entire generation dies. And we can't let that happen on our watch. That's my heart. Yeah, so we got to have that, that Konania, we have to have that fellowship and love that is so important. Um, I want you to um, share with us where, because your book, More Than a Number, is available for the readers. So please tell the readers how they can get it. Let the readers know how they can follow you. And then if you'll leave a final thought, we would appreciate that. Absolutely. So I do have a Facebook page. It is just my name, Michael LeBorne. Um, You're all welcome to like that. I share pretty regularly. Um, I also offer deals occasionally. Um, you can grab a, a pre-order of the Kindle version online right now on Amazon.com for 99 cents. And that will be available for a short time. I'm not sure how short, um, but that's there for you. Or you can go directly to my website, michaellaborne.com, and you can pre-order a physical copy. And the book will be available uh, on December 15th. Uh, and as for a final thought, my heart for you is really simple. Know Jesus. Don't let anybody put you into a spot where they know Jesus for you. Mm. Because the Bible is very clear that if I do not know him, he does not know me. Well, I want to challenge you, chase Jesus, find Jesus, and then walk with him. Mm. That's good. Wow, that's been, well, that's been my lesson for today. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you. <laughs> that's good stuff. I want to, um, it's a quiet rest of the day for me. So I'm going to be reading more of the book. And so I'm looking, looking forward to that. Um, Michael also share with me on, um, on my page, the um, link information so I can let everybody um have it to access um, the ebook that's available right now and also the information for a, a pre-copy of your book that's coming out. But again, I want to thank you, Michael, for taking out of your Sunday afternoon <laughs> to do this interview with me. And uh, we really appreciate you for um, sharing with thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Michael. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe on your favorite platform so you will receive notifications for this show. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join the mailing list at drannettewestministries.org. And while there, check out what's going on in our world. Also, purchase a copy of Dr. West's newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit, on drannettewestministries.org and Amazon. Don't forget to follow Dr. West on social media 